Showtime. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Border to Border, 106.1 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a lovely Friday before a, well, what could be an ugly weekend here in the capital city and the state of Virginia and the East Coast. There's a large green blob that will descend upon us tomorrow. And uh, that means you can just sit there and enjoy football. And I think it even going to linger into Sunday a little bit, too. So uh, enjoy the football uh, coming up this weekend. You know what we do on Mondays. Uh, you know what we do on Mondays. But you also know what we do on Fridays. See, I'm already like a little hazy after last night. Uh, you know what we do on Fridays. Coming up at 3.15, Tim Murray Vison will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the two local games of interest, Virginia Tech Wake Forest, also JMU and Georgia Southern. Get his thoughts on those. Uh, some of the games that are coming up uh, tomorrow that he likes. Also a little bit on the Sunday card and how he attacks wind and rain games. Because if you look, it's pretty crazy. If you look at the weather forecast for the pretty much the East Coast, I feel like Florida is one of the uh, few places that's not going to have any sort of rain tomorrow. So um, we'll talk to him about that. Um, I, I've got my theories and formulas for things like that, but we'll certainly get his thoughts on uh, how to handicap that tomorrow and potentially Sunday. I think there's some places where it's going to rain and wind, and it's disappointing because I'm supposed to go to Bush Gardens tomorrow and might have to go Sunday now, so we'll see. Uh, 3270888, that is the phone number, that is the text line, 804 is the area code. Also joining us today, the man, the myth, the legend. It's Joe Sheehan of the Joe Sheehan Newsletter. He will join us. Uh, had to talk some baseball today. We've got some great uh, LCSs coming up. I don't think, uh, I, I, you know, I think some casual baseball fans will see Rangers and Astros and Phillies and Diamondbacks and be like, eh, not pass. Uh, I think, look, I, I, I think the, the Rangers and the Astros, I've been told it's a rivalry, and we've already done this sort of thing. Bob and I, and Bob and I, as you could probably guess, we disagree on this sort of thing. Uh, he thinks there's rivalries in baseball. I do not. But if there was going to be such a thing as rivalries, it would be the Astros and the Rangers. They play for a boot or something, a silver boot, whatever. They play for something. And obviously this matchup is for the, the World Series. Sounds like a rivalry. Well, yeah, just because people play for something. If if you and I played for a quarter, does that mean we have a rivalry? Matt, we are constant rivals. I mean, know. yeah, because you root for bad teams and I root for good ones for now. I mean, listen, I'm just saying, the Mets, the Ravens. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, I Miami. Lose. I lose the <laughs> It's a bad week to talk crap. You're right. I mean, no, I'm just saying, no. I, listen, I'm just saying, you come at the king, I'm going to... Probably at least try and come back. That's a long life, Matt. Long life. It's one of my witty witticisms, and one of the things I lead with on my Bumble Bumble profile is how witty I am. Um, So yeah, uh, I think it's going to be fun. And then look, you know, Arizona and Philly looks like a mismatch, but Arizona was Philly last year. The Phillies last year were the last team to get in, and then all of a sudden they um, they went and got hot, and they made the World Series. They lost to the Astros. Arizona kind of sort of is that, although they're playing the current version of that in the Phillies once again. Uh, 
look, I, I said it yesterday, and I was ready to eat crow. I was ready to come on here, be humble. Eh, somewhat humble, because then I would have just said the Phillies were going to win in five instead of four. But, like... I, you know, I've seen all the the excuses. I've seen all the things for the Braves as to why they didn't win that series. And I could sum it up in just a couple of things. First off, I don't know if you saw the the the, the Twitter video of Orlando Arcia going around. The people were trash talking him, and he was making the the sign of like a four year old child. And when Ronald Acuna, who is not exactly the most mature person in the world either, is the one calming you down, that's a bad sign. So that's number one. Number two, when Spencer Strider said that like he didn't want fans, like that gave the Phillies fans incentive to turn it up a couple notches, which they really didn't have to anyway. And it's just the Braves got cold. And I understand everybody wants to blame the playoff format, but like you you can't just blame the playoff format. I understand that you don't want to sit off five days, but guess what? You sit five days in the All-Star break. I'm about to pull up, and, and I know some people are like, well, that's every team sits uh, those five days. Some teams aren't playing. It's everybody's playing. But, you know, look, the Braves went one and four out of the All-Star break. The Braves had some injuries. They had the bats go cold. You can't use the rust excuse when by game four. You just can't. There's three other games before them. You can use the rust excuse game one, which, by the way, if they played this series right away, Max Fried, who had a blister, may not have been able to pitch at all. Now, he was the one who didn't pitch very well in game two. But, like, there's all these advantages to lining your pitching staff up, having a full bullpen that was fully ready to go. The Braves just didn't take advantage of it. Like, I just, it's so funny listening to the excuses. And then the whole clubhouse thing. Like, I don't know if people saw yesterday, Alana Rizzo was on... Mad Dog Show on the MLB Network, and she called um, she called the dude who who reported it a jack off, which by the way is the wrong word. Um, and she was like, she went into like this rant. She's like, he doesn't cover the team, and he's just a, he's a troublemaker, and it's a sanctuary. So what I kind of figure is from all these media members who are like, yeah, you know, the clubhouse is a sanctuary. So you're you're basically saying if Nick Castellanos committed murder and admitted to somebody. The, the media can't report it because it's such a sanctuary. You can't report what you hear in there. Did you see what happened in the Phillies clubhouse yesterday? You had guys in overalls. You had guys with beer coming out of pockets all over the place. Yeah, that's a sanctuary, all right. Yeah. And then she comes out today and she gives the heartfelt apology. She's like, these last 24 hours, I've learned. By the way, I'm not going to tell you what this is, but you can go Google it. Let's just say Alana Rizzo has a very checkered past involving baseball and clubhouses. Let's just say, and I'm not going to go into all of it because I didn't read all the stories, but I read the headlines in the first couple sentences. Let's just say there's some skeletons in Alana Rizzo's clubhouse. And so her doing that, she's just trying to be Mad Dog. Like, Mad Dog is a certain kind of guy. You either love him or you hate him. She's my type of crazy, man. She's very crazy. She's very crazy, but she has the audacity to come out and say, well, this guy shouldn't be reporting it. And if that's the reason why you lost, because you all of a sudden woke up Bryce Harper, then you're even mentally weak more than I thought. And by the way, Ronald Acuna Jr. didn't speak to the media. He packed up his stuff and left. Can we talk about how they looked like in in the first inning that they were already told by Marty McFly in his time machine that they were going to lose this game? There was no energy. Uh, well, there was briefly because they hit the home run in the third, but then the Phillies hit the home run in the third and kind of shut that up. I um, I just, 
The Braves are a very good team. Here's the other thing, real quick. 162 game regular season is dumb. And I'll never say this to Joe Sheehan because he's a baseball purist. I'll maybe phrase it a different way. I'll say it to Bob. Uh, well, yeah, because Bob knows where I stand on a lot of these things. And I have mad respect for Bob, but I also challenge Bob because I feel like he needs to. Um, 162 games to have your season come down to five games. I've always said that the math doesn't work, just like I've said that for the NBA. Because 82 games... And the first round's five games, right, in the NBA? The first round in the NBA, I think, is five games. So 82 games to five games, the the, the ratio doesn't work. And you're not going to make, like, a 12-game series. You can't do that. But, like, hundred, I see a lot of people are like, we played 162 games, and then we got down to a series and we lost. Yeah, because 162 games is too many. It's way too many. You go, you cut it down to 140, then you can maybe make a proper playoff format if you believe it. Rob Manfred's already come out and said it's not going anywhere because Rob Manfred's tired of everybody's crap that everything he does, including me, he we hate. So he's tired of it. He's like, it's not going anywhere. So figure it out. The Braves ran, had exhibition games. They had their pitchers come out. They had their hitters come out. They had fans come out. They did what they could last week. It didn't work. So now spend the offseason once again and try and figure it out because the Braves are going to make the playoffs for the next, I don't know, 15 years in a row. They're going to probably win the division a lot. The Phillies aren't good enough necessarily to win the division every time. So if the Braves keep winning the division and they keep losing, who knows? 327-0888-804 is the area code. We thank the Braves. We love being the Braves uh, radio network. Um... They'll never find out I said this, like, and I don't think they really care. People listen. I'm just saying, you know, I listen, I don't get a lot of predictions right on the show. I called it when the series started. I said, enjoy your four games. And there it was, four games. Now we'll see what happens with Arizona. We are your home. We don't have a show Monday because Monday there is the two games, the Phillies Diamondbacks and the Astros Rangers. So we have no show Monday. We are your home for the MLB playoffs, 1061 ESPN, because we love ESPN radio. Regular season long. Now it's time for the race to the fall classic. 1061 ESPN is your exclusive home for the MLB postseason in Richmond. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. It is around 3.15 on a Friday, so you know what we do. Uh, we check in with uh, the guy on Twitter, at one Tim Murray, VSIN live primetime, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. He's also got one of the best betting podcasts around. Uh, Tim, what's going on? Well, I appreciate that intro, Matt. Uh, you know, just trying to find some winners. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this week goes. <laughs> uh, anything tonight? Uh, a wide array of uh, games of between the three of them. Yeah, you know, I. It's funny because I really wanted to play. Uh, I really wanted to play Memphis as a home dog tonight, and uh, I texted a buddy of mine. I do a radio hit on a weekly basis uh, down in Memphis, and I said, "Can we trust Memphis tonight?" His response. No. So uh, that would be my only lean in this one. Um, you know, if you really want to get stinky, um, maybe look at taking Stanford plus 12 and a half. Um, you know, Colorado, it's interesting when you look at their season so far. Uh, four and two, uh, covered against TCU. But remember, they were a 21-point underdog. Uh, covered against Nebraska. Nebraska kind of tripped all over themselves Colorado State, they did not cover as a big favorite, lost the next two games. And then last week, they were a four-and-a-half-point road favorite at Arizona State. One didn't cover. So, you know, Colorado is a team that has not destroyed teams. That said, man, Stanford's really bad. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it's just, you know, Stanford's pretty bad. So um, I, I got nothing. This is more your forte. Uh, Utah State, uh, I really need them to lose because I got their win total under, Matt, and uh, they beat Colorado State last week, which was uh, which was a tough one to swallow for me, especially with the Rams being up 17 nothing in the first quarter. Uh, yeah, this is a this was a, a pass for me tonight. I'm just gonna sit there and enjoy and work on tomorrow. And uh, before we get to tomorrow, so we uh, look. I was doing my handicapping, and on the East Coast and in Mac Country, it's gonna be rain and wind pretty much yep. for every game. So tell the folks how you kind of account for those things. I mean, we've seen some everybody's betting unders in some of these games. How do you uh, handicap rain and wind? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and you've probably said it on your show, but I'll reiterate, it's wind, not rain. Well, if it's a torrential downpour, obviously that's going to affect. But if it's a a driving drizzle and there's not really rain, don't get over, don't don't go crazy. The wind is the big thing. You know, we saw it last night. It was a pretty windy night in Kansas City, and uh, that game went dead under. So uh, I think that's something to keep an eye on when it comes to these totals. Um, you know, and. and and weather changes, right? I mean, you know, keep an eye. Don't just assume things are going to be status quo. You know, Notre Dame, USC. Um, you know, that's a game that we've seen some under money come in. Gone down to 60 and a half, was down to 59 a little bit earlier this week. And we've seen some buyback now on the over, Matt, because I believe the rain should be gone by Saturday night in South Bend. Still will be a little windy, still should be in the temps in the 40s, but it shouldn't be as detrimental as, let's say, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa, from my understanding, is going to be pretty ugly. You know, that's a mid afternoon game in Madison, and, you know, it's Iowa and Wisconsin. So that, that total is is uh, ridiculously low. I mean, that is an Army-Navy total. 34 and a half, that is, that is comically low when you look at the total between Iowa and Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, and Iowa still needs to uh, catch up on their points because uh, their offensive coordinator <laughs> needs his bonus. They got a long way to go for that one. Not only bonus, Matt, he, he loses his job if they don't average 25 points per game. They are. He is. Uh, he's in a whole lot of a uh, lot of water. Evan Abrams over at the Action Network actually just tweeted out uh, the the list of games that the total has been thirty five or under. Uh, Iowa Iowa State this year was thirty five. That went under. Kentucky Iowa the bowl game last year was thirty one and a half. That went under. Army Navy actually went over against the closing number last year. So it's kind of been a mixed bag. I know there's a, a mindset out there, Matt. Well, you just take the over on the highest total and the under on the lowest total. Eh, not, not always, you know. Um, but three of the last four games, uh, that have involved these types of low totals have gone under. And the, the comical part is five of the last six games, not including this Saturday, with a total of 35 or lower, have included Iowa. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Uh, their offense is not, not it's good. It's terrible, man. And Kate McNamara's hurt. Uh, all right, so we got two games involving the state schools here. Yeah. Um, Virginia Tech's hosting Wake Forest. There will be some rain. I think a little bit of wind for that one, not very much. And then the intriguing one, which will be on ESPN2 at noon, James Madison is hosting Georgia Southern. We had the coach on uh, yesterday, and they remember their loss to Georgia Southern last year, so it seems like they're putting a little bit of extra preparation, a little bit of extra effort in this one on Saturday. What's your thoughts on these two? That's the game I wanted to talk to you about, and I'm doing the old uh, ask the host questions, but I like like James Madison in this spot. I've faded them twice so far this year in 
been wrong on both of those. I faded them against Troy as a as a slight uh, dog, and obviously they won that game outright. And then I thought it was the worst hit spot in the history of the world when they were going out to Utah State, and uh, they ultimately held on to win that game. A lot of their margins for victory have been close, but I just I really like the spot for James Madison. Both these teams obviously coming off a bye, but I mean you know this, your listeners know this, um, but when you think about James Madison and the fact that they can't go to a bowl game and the fact that they lost to Georgia Southern last year, I, I just think this team's going to be incredibly motivated. I'm glad you had uh, the coach on yesterday because I had heard through the grapevine from a couple people that you know were keeping a close eye on this game that they were expecting James Madison to be incredibly buttoned up uh, for this game. So, you know, Matt, I, I don't know if you're a big uh, money line parlay guy. I'm not normally. Um, but I did make a little money line parlay uh, this week uh, for, with a pair of group of fives. I like James Madison. Didn't really want to lay the six. And uh, I really like Air Force this week. Uh, they're playing Wyoming. Um, you know, Wyoming coming off of the massive victory over Fresno State. And another situation where, man, things just get wacky in Laramie, right? I mean, they beat Texas Tech. They jumped out to a big uh, – they came back in that one. Um, they needed a block field goal uh, that they returned for a score against App State. And then last week, they didn't score in the second half, and they still beat Fresno State. So I think they're going up a level here. You're going to Air Force. I just I don't want to lay 11 with Air Force. That's a lot of points uh, with an Air Force team that's only going to have, you know, maybe nine or ten possessions. Um, so uh, that that's the way I'm rolling. I, I, you could find that around like a minus 125. So it's getting a little juicy, a little, little pricey on the juice there. Uh, but I really like James Madison in this spot. Um, so that that's the way I'm looking at it. As for Virginia Tech, um, you know, just kind of looking at how the market has gone on this one. It's flipped favorites. Uh, they're now a favorite, a minus one and a half favorite. Uh, they opened up earlier this week as a three-point dog. So uh, take take with that what you will. Uh, money has been on the Hokies this week uh, to flip them to a favorite against Wake at home tomorrow. Uh, so since we can't bet the JMU thing here, I would have done a JMU money line with North Carolina because, Ooh. and I'll ask you about this, because I feel We're like... We're on the Mi- oppo side here. Oh, so you think Miami somehow, after the worst loss in program history, somehow gets off the mat against Drake May. I, I, I am. I'm crazy like that. Now, we could both be satisfied. Uh, I took four. So, you know, North Carolina win by three, and we're both, you know, happy on Saturday night. Look, this is uh, the old... <laughs> the, uh, the classic scared money don't make money type of deal. Like... Miami could be devastated and could completely come out flat against Drake May and company. But I, I actually like the talent that's on this roster and the in the hilarity of that the Saturday night debacle down at in Miami, which is inexcusable, just an absolute disaster by Mario Cristobal, who has done this before. Oregon, uh, he did this with Oregon when they were against Stanford a handful of years ago. Not as egregious, but pretty bad. Um, they actually won the next game uh, in that one. But they got like a five-star recruit to commit the next day. I mean, it, it's it's all about, they're just, they've got all this NIL money. They're, they're, they're bringing in talent. And the coaches are going to bungle things. Um, but I, I like the talent. I, I, we saw it on full front against Texas A&M. And you know, North Carolina certainly hasn't played someone of this caliber yet. Um, you know, Tez Walker being back is a huge boost for UNC. Um, but yeah, I like Miami in this spot. 
plus the points. Uh, it's 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 moved in that direction down to three. All the hooks and fours are are all gone. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a situation where I joked on my podcast, Matt, um, where I said this is uh, this might be the game where I'm sitting there pulling my hair out, a la Krusty the Clown when he bet on the Washington Generals against the Harlem Globetrotters. You know, saying but they were due. So uh, I took the points with Miami, and uh, we'll see how dumb I feel come Saturday night. Uh, give us one more for tomorrow. So, you know, there's a couple. I'll run through them real quickly. Um, This is the ultimate Narduzzi spot. I mean, if this is Narduzzi to the max, Pat Narduzzi, head coach of Pitt, uh, I can't stand him as a head coach. He loses games that he should win all the time, but he wins games that he's supposed to lose all the damn time. You know, Clemson, when Clemson was number two. Miami, when Miami was number two. They were a three-touchdown underdog at Notre Dame in 20... I think that was 2019, and they lost by five. So Louisville, coming off of this enormous victory against Notre Dame, in a great situational spot for the Cardinals, not taking anything away from them, but they caught Notre Dame at a great spot, and they took advantage of it, and they beat them up, uh, and they were the better team. This is that spot where I think, man, they better be ready. You know, I think back to Jeff Brom and when he was the head coach of of, uh, Purdue and they put up that 49-20 win over Ohio State. Uh, I think that was in 20, I think that was 2019, I want to say. The next week they lost to Michigan State. So this is a really weird spot. Pittsburgh's coming off a bye. They've made a change at the quarterback position. Uh, so I'm going to take the seven and a half uh, with Pittsburgh here and uh, hold on for dear life. This game, by the way, if you're wondering, uh, it's on the CW. So, you know, watch an episode of Gilmore Girls and then, you know, Pittsburgh-Louisville uh, at 630 Eastern. Last one real quickly I'll give you. Um, I don't know. Maybe it feels square. I don't play a ton of totals, but... UCLA, Oregon State, to me, kind of screams under. Uh, 54 and a half is the total. It's been moving a little bit. Uh, saw 55 today. It's back down to 54, 54 and a half. Uh, love both of these defenses, even though Oregon State's defense looks a little leaky at times. They should be getting their two starting corners back. Uh, they gave up a ton of points last week, Oregon State against Cal. But Dante Moore, true freshman, big-time recruit. It's going to be really good at UCLA, Matt, I have no doubt. But he, he's going to be prone to making some mistakes. Night game in Corvallis. Uh, Oregon State has lost just one home game over the last three years, and that was a close game against USC last year where they were a six-point dog and I think lost by three or four points. So uh, I'm going to take Beavs Bruins under 54-and-a-half on Saturday night, and hopefully this is a, uh, a slugfest. Two teams who love to run the ball. UCLA is a little bit more up-tempo, um, but hopefully Dante Moore makes a couple mistakes. But hopefully those mistakes aren't pick sixes. Those are brutal if you're going on under. So uh, make mistakes, but don't throw touchdowns to the other team. I am right there with you on uh, Pittsburgh. Um, never a good sign, though, when the starting quarterback all of a sudden is a tight end now. But, hey, he can't be bad at quarterback <laughs> Christian Vayu or Vayu? Vayu? Well, I don't know. Something French. Um, offensive line is a little bit banged up, which makes me certainly worried for Pittsburgh. They practiced in pads during their bye week. Classic Narduzzi. I mean, that dude is just... I can't stand him, but uh, hopefully this is the spot that we can trust him and uh, he can he can keep it close against Louisville in, in what is just the all-time letdown spot. All right, uh, let's do one more in the NFL, and uh, I guess we'll talk about the Taylor Heineke Bowl, although Taylor Heineke's <laughs> not playing. Uh, any thoughts on your commanders in Atlanta? 
Yeah, this is, I mean, it feels like a little bit of a buy-low spot for the Commanders going on the road there, sitting two and a half. Seen a little bit of movement towards Atlanta uh, in this spot. If uh, if folks like teasers, great teaser spot. Uh, you can, you know, push Washington up to eight and a half through the keys of three and seven with a total of 42 and a half. Um, yeah, I... If, if anything, I would look at Washington. Uh, like I said, certainly a teaser uh, would make some sense if you want to pair them with, uh, you know, Houston at home. Uh, you could push them up to eight or something like that. Um, so that would be the way I would look. But if you really want to hold your nose special, anyone want to join me? New England plus three? Am I the only one? No? Plus three, New England, bounce back, all-time buy-low spot for the Patriots. Nobody wants to bet New England this week, so uh, I will take the three with the Patriots when they come to uh, Vegas on Sunday. Make sure to check out his website, VEASAN, uh, primetime, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time on the radio, at 1TimMurray on Twitter, and, of course, the podcast as well. You can find it pinned on his Twitter account. Tim, we will talk to you again next week. All right, UNC by two, Matt. If we can uh, agree to that, we're, 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 we're working in good spot here. Sounds good. <laughs> all right, man, see you. All right, uh, that is uh, Tim Murray. By the way, it feels like it's so weird. We, we haven't mentioned the commanders at all this week, or at least I haven't. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, with the baseball playoffs, we've been focusing a lot on that. And, of course, they played last Thursday, and I kind of said my piece on Friday, and then I said my piece on Monday. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. But let's take a timeout. Coming up, uh, Joe Sheehan will join us, talk a little baseball playoffs, get his thoughts on everybody complaining about the format and complaining about this and complaining about that. We'll get Joe's thoughts next, 1061 ESPN. This weekend, the Spiders travel to take on the Rams. No, not those Rams. The Rhode Island Rams. Our coverage begins Saturday afternoon at 1230. Here on your exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 1061 ESPN. Hey there, Richmond. It's... You should see the looks I get when I put this on in my car and I got the windows rolling down because they're like, why are you listening to this? And I, looks he gets in the studio. It's a, it's a catchy song. It means my team has moved on to the LCS. They vanquished the Braves. And now we're two series away from this guy performing probably in a parade. I'd never heard of this guy before. Callum Scott, never heard of him before. Uh, but we are uh, getting ready for the LCS, which starts shortly this weekend. Uh, with the Rangers and the Astros, and then, of course, the Phillies and the Diamondbacks joining us now. Of course, uh, probably a guy who knows the words of this song as well. You can check out his work at JoeSheehan.com, the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. Joe, what's going on? Not I, my friend. The last music I really paid attention to was, uh, got to be about 20 years ago, so it's been a while. Uh, Joe, which of the complaints do you think is the weirdest or the worst that the Braves or their fans are making as to why they didn't win this series? Obviously, the whole Orlando Arcia thing was blown well out of proportion. Uh, the writer, the writers, I should say, who reported the story, Chelsea James and Jake Mintz, and uh, Mintz actually naming Arcia, did what they had to do as reporters. Um, Arcia was talking yap in the clubhouse, and it got out there. I don't think, I don't think it should have been a big deal. I think the Braves made it a big deal. I think their fans piled on. I think some of the local media piled on. But any. Yeah, any true journalist will tell you. It's, a, it's an open clubhouse. He wasn't whispering it. He wasn't doing it in a back room. He was shouting it. And to turn that into a big deal, I thought was embarrassing. Uh, the other thing that's been talked about a lot is the playoff format. And certainly there is a case to be made that the format may need to be changed. But I, you can make a rust case for after game one. But with three other games afterwards, you can't keep saying, oh, they're still rusty. 
No, and in fact, if you look at the history of long rest or teams with disparate rest, it actually favors the team that gets all the rest. I, I did the research last year and found that in the first game, they were 18-8 and eight when teams had four uh, you know, uh, more rest than their opponent. Uh, ben Clemens of Fangrass did the research. He went back to 1981. I think he got 24-11 and 11 as the number. So, no, uh, to the extent that the rest gap would show up, it would show up in the first game, and the teams with greater rest tend to play really well in the first game. I think this is an excuse. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think the players are – I've really heard a lot of players thinking. I've heard a lot of it in the media. I've heard it some of it from fans. Baseball's trying to serve a lot of masters. They wanted to expand the playoffs for the TV money. But when you do that, once you insert sides, you've got to let teams sit down. They want to schedule it in such a way that they don't have four games, four games, a day off, four games, four games. So you've got to stagger the series. I think they've got to sit down and figure out – it's not even so much the initial rest, Matt. It's the playing, sitting a day, playing, sitting a day, playing two days. Like that extra off day they put into the NLDS this year, I think that's the one they've got to think about. How do you get the schedule right? without inserting that extra off day. Do you think we're at the right amount of teams making the playoffs right now? No, I think we're at the right amount of teams 30, whatever the heck it was. Years ago. 30 years ago this year, actually, was the last year of the, the 14th format. I understand we're not going back to that. I do think eight is probably your optimal number, given, if you think about it, at eight, everybody can play immediately. At 16, everybody can play immediately. Every other format inserts this kind of break and makes it awkward. Plus, you know, baseball's the one sport that has a calendar issue. As it is, we play a lot of games in early in March and early April that really shouldn't be played given the weather conditions. We play a lot of games in November now. Now, baseball is never meant to be played in March and November. So baseball is trying to squeeze in all of these playoff games now uh, on a calendar that's really unfriendly. So I'm going to say, I'm somebody who wants the regular season to need more. And when you have teams that finished 16 and 14 games out, as the Diamondbacks and Phillies did, Getting a second chance a week later, that doesn't sit all that well with it feels like also the other two teams will take the Braves and throw them out of this. You know, the Orioles were heavily flawed in that they're young and maybe a year ahead of schedule, and the Dodgers didn't have enough pitching. So can we at least attribute partially that as to the reason why they lost their series? How about we just attribute it to the other team play play better? That's the thing that I, I'm not sure if guys like me are getting the message out well enough when we talk about too many teams in the playoffs and short series and stuff like that. You don't win a short series because you get lucky or because of random. You win it because you play better baseball. The catch is that over four or five games, anybody in the playoffs can be that team. That, that's the point we got to make. So you don't have to make excuses. And you're not doing that. I don't mean you are. But you don't have to say, oh, it's because the Orioles lost Bautista or it's because the Dodgers lost all their pitching. You can simply say the Diamondbacks dominated. The Rangers dominate. If you look at the four teams that have, that have, that have advanced the LCS round, that they're allowing 2.3 runs a game across the field. They went 18-2 and two in the first two rounds. This isn't luck or randomness. This is four teams playing really good baseball. That's, it's as simple as that. How close or how tight do you think this uh, Astros-Rangers series is going to be? I think it's going to be a great series. Uh, they're similar in some ways. They're, they're teams with a lot of hitting. Uh, I think the Astros certainly have a deeper pitching staff. The Rangers have the deeper lineup. You know, we see, I just mentioned, you know, 2.3 runs a game that they're allowing. I do think we're going to see more runs in this series. You've got Crawford boxes in Houston. You've got a pretty good hitter's park in Globe Life. We're going to start to see both teams have to go a little bit deeper into their staff. This is why I think the key player here is going to be Max Scherzer. The Rangers traded for him. He got hurt at the end of the year. 
didn't pitch in the first two rounds. If they get him back, that extends their rotation in a way I think they're really going to need. They didn't test their bullpen in the first two rounds. Did that throw a lot of innings? They threw a lot of innings with big leads. Did that collapse in one game in Baltimore? But they were up 11-2, so it didn't matter. I think the Astros, they're going to play closer games to the Astros, and yeah, that's going to be a real factor in this series. Can Bruce Bochy continue to get innings out of that bullpen? And it's crazy to think that they could have had Jacob DeGrom for this series. Of course, he did what Jacob DeGrom does and unfortunately got, gets injured, but that was their big free agent offseason signing. Yeah, uh, he made seven starts for them this year. You know, they're just basically picking up all the injured mess. I half expect Dwight Gooden to show up or Ron Darling to show up in the rotation in the playoffs. But it's, it's a heck of a story because you, know, you look at the year they had, and they had a lot of things go wrong. You think about a team kind of coming out of nowhere, but overachieving. And usually overachieving teams have a, a ton of things go right. But the Rangers lost to Grom. They lost Scherzer. You know, in season, Corey Seager went on the I.L. twice. You had uh, Josh Young and Jonah Heim get hurt later in the year. Bruce Bochy, hire I didn't particularly care for, I think he was the perfect manager for the year that they ended up having. Because Bochy's seen everything. And when you have Bochy in the dugout or in the clubhouse and all of these things are going wrong, he can just kind of sit there and be like, we're fine. I've seen this before. I think Bochy's stability and calm was a huge factor for this team this year. And you know, Matt, you talked to me long enough. I'm not a big soft factors guy. I think the Bochy hiring was key for this team. Who do you think's better, Bruce Bochy or Dusty Baker? What? Can't hear you. Cut now. Who, uh, who do you think? No, is... I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, okay. Uh, and that's a tough call. Um, Bochy's Baker is so much better a game manager than he used to be. Like, this would have been a really easy decision 10 years ago because Bochy was both a good leader of men and a good game manager. Baker's better at that right now than he ever has ever been in his career. So it's really close. I think Baker's probably a little more openly inspiring to his players. Bochy's more of a stoic, like I said earlier, you know, the guy you want there when everything's going wrong. Um, I'm not sure there's much to draw between them. I do think this, the, the all-Texas ALCS, is the top storyline for me. It's never happened before. But the Bochy Baker one is the second one for me. Two guys at the ends of their careers, roughly, uh, trying to get that one edition. Make sure you go to the website, joshian.com, and get the Joe Sheehan Baseball newsletter. Let's head over to the National League. How much of a factor do you think the Philly crowd is in their playoff games? I don't. These guys are all professionals. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I know we all remember Johnny Cueto dropping the ball in that playoff game against the Pirates, but yeah, that, that's a real outlier performance. I think it's a great crowd. I think it's great for neutrals watching the game. If you've been there, I got to cover the uh, 08 and 09 postseason. And I was there. The loudest I've ever heard of ballpark, Matt, was when Brad Lynch got the final out of the 2008 World Series. It's an incredible crowd. I don't think it affects the players. I know that I heard a little bit of that coming out of the, <clears throat> the Braves series. You guys are all professionals. They've all played in parks with upper decks for a long time now. They're the what do you think Arizona has to do, obviously, in order to win this series? You know, um, how long do you think this one may go? Uh, the, Dodgers, the Diamondbacks just swept the Dodgers. So I think i got to be careful about looking at the two records and saying, well, you know, the Phillies were a lot better this year. Uh, I think the real key is for the Diamondbacks going to be keep getting that great work out of the bullpen. They rebuilt both these teams, really, rebuilt their bullpens on the fly. If you look at the Diamondbacks, the work they got at Ryan Thompson was a waiver claim. Um, uh, rookie uh, left-hander Andrew Salfrank wasn't even in the majors until September, and Paul Seawold was acquired at the trade deadline. Those guys were excellent against the Dodgers. They've got to keep getting that work in the late innings because when you're facing this Philly lineup with all of that power, you're really going to have you, these are not going to be blowouts. 
They're going to be 3-2, 4-3, 5-4 games. I think the bullpen for the Diamondbacks is going to be the key for them. Because, you know, even as good as Gallon and Noah Kelly are, they're six-inning pitchers. So even in those starts, they're going to have to get three innings out of the bullpen. And then when they go to Brandon Fott, Kyle Nelson, they have to get a lot more than that. So that Diamondbacks bullpen is probably going to make or break their chances for the upset. What did you What did you make of the managerial effort by Rob Thompson in the last series? All the pitching changes that he made, and, and it seemed like for the most part, most of them worked out. It's funny because there was they were aggressive with Ranger Suarez in the first game, hooking him uh, three and two thirds innings. Made a big deal after the game about oh, you know, we thought the Braves could be beaten by you know power fastballs, ninety seven and up. There was all this talk on the day off about that. And then he went away from that the next couple of days. Um, he left Nola in. He left Wheeler in. Uh, went really deeper with Ranger Suarez than I thought he would. So I was a little surprised. That as successful as the game one strategy was, for him to go away from it. Now, on balance, over the last two years, Rob Thompson has been appropriately aggressive. We talk about this all the time. The thing about the playoffs is it's, it's to win the game you're playing. If you've got to blow out the bullpen to win the game you're playing, you do it for two reasons. One, you, you can't lose three. You can't lose four games. But the second thing is that there's almost always an off day just around the corner. So you can burn out your bullpen. You know, maybe the next day you blow the, blow the team out. Everybody gets a rest anyway. So Thompson, more than, I think more than any manager left in this field, has internalized that idea that you win the game you're playing tonight. Uh, last question for you, Joe. Does the fact that the Dodgers lost and fell short once again, do they? does that pretty much ensure they're going to go all out on Otani this offseason? I thought it was all right. I don't think you could have raised those chances. I think if they won the World Series and gone 11-0 in the postseason, they were still going all out. They've run basically a two-year plan to clear payroll. They tried to get under the payroll, the payroll tax this year. They weren't able to do it. But everything they've done for about 18 months now is pointed to them making going all out for Otani. I'm curious to see how many teams cap out because Otani can't start for them next year. It's a problem for the Dodgers who are kind of rebuilding their rotation next year. Kershaw might retire. Julio Arias, who knows what his deal is. You get Walker back. Maybe you get a couple guys back at the end of the year, but it's the young rushes. Even if they sign Otani, they've got to spend money on a starting pitcher, too. So that's the one complication here, where the Dodgers are a team that needs the starting part, whereas if you look at the team Mariners, they have a set rotation. Otani not being able to pitch for a year isn't going to hurt them much at all. Make sure you go to the website, joshian.com. Get the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. Joe, we always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matt. Enjoy the weekend. All right. Uh, that is uh, Joe Sheehan, uh, at Joe underscore Sheehan on Twitter. Uh, he's one of those guys that has zero follow. Uh, he follows nobody on Twitter. So he's one of those guys, which mad respect for it. Uh, let's take a timeout. We'll do our final segment, get you set for the weekend ahead, tell you who's home, who's on the road in college football. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. They took care of the Black Bears. Now their sights are set on the Rams. Hey, it's Bob Black. Richmond football's coming off a high-powered win over Maine. And now it hits the road Saturday at Rhode Island. We'll bring it home to you on the air at 1230, kickoff at 1 on the home of the Spiders, 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. No Bob. He's heading up to Rhode Island. Uh, I don't know if Rhode Island's getting rain tomorrow. I just assume because it feels like every game that I was looking at uh, the handicapping. No, it looks like there might be some decent weather up there, so he might be lucky. Um, it just felt like every game I looked at this weekend, <laughs> there was just rain and rain and rain, which we will get uh, this weekend. So let me tell you, um, if you are going to go out uh, and brave the elements, uh, go over to Virginia State. Uh, they're home against Bluefield State University. 6-0 and on the season, the Trojans are. And uh, they've got three straight at home. 
before the big game against Union on November 4th. So make sure to check them out out at Rogers Stadium. It's a 2 o'clock kickoff, of course. Bring your poncho or your whatever you wear to keep the rain away uh, because it will probably be raining. Uh, Virginia Union's 5-1. and one. They're home against Bowie State. Uh, that's at 1 o'clock. Three of their, ne- of their final four are at home. Uh, and they obviously, I don't think, can afford another loss, obviously, because... Um, you know, making the playoffs is hard enough as it is. Um, you can't afford too many losses uh, in the CIAA. So we'll see if Union can get the win over Bowie State. And then Hampton Sydney is at Averett on Saturday, 4 o'clock in Danville. So I don't know which part of, pardon me in my geography, I don't know which part of Virginia Danville's in, but you could go travel there if you're a Hampton Sydney fan. And then Randolph Macon, who's been crushing everybody, they're at Bridgewater at 2 o'clock on Saturday. They've won 59-7, 70-14, 51-10, 59-14, and 51-9. So, but if you go to any of these games, make sure to bring something to prevent the rain from getting on you because um, it's going to rain everywhere, it feels like. Also this weekend, you've got the uh, black and gold scrimmage for VCU. They're in action uh, tomorrow. And that, that it, last time I checked, those games are being played indoors. So you don't even have to get rained on. If you go out to that one, uh, it is free and open to the public tomorrow. So obviously black and gold game at uh, 4 o'clock tomorrow. And then uh, in Charlottesville, the blue and white scrimmage at 1.30. So if you are a UVA person and you're tired of the football team, uh, you can go watch the basketball team, who will be highly enjoyable. They're in action at 1.30 with the blue and white scrimmage. So look, if you're going to a basketball game, obviously you're good. If you're going to a football game, please support Virginia State, Virginia Union, Hampton Sydney, Randolph-Macon, whoever it is, just be ready to get rained on. A little bit, and there might be a little wind. Obviously, Tech football is at home against uh, Wake Forest. It's a large game. If you think they're going to make a bowl game, they better win this one. Um, They're a small favorite over Wake Forest, the team that's not as good as we thought. And then, of course, the flagship is home as well at noon on ESPN2. Uh, the one thing I'm concerned about for JMU is they have a game on Thursday. Not that you know they're not going to try because, as Coach Signetti said yesterday, they circled this game from last year uh, on their calendar and they've had extra time to prepare. If you ever miss an interview, go to our website, ESPNRichmond.com. We put all of our interviews up there. It's the place you'll find Joe Sheehan, who joined us, JoeSheehan.com, the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. Uh, you can make sure to check him out there. And, of course, Tim Murray from VSIN. He joins us every Friday at 3.15. As I said, no show Monday. It's a doubleheader day for the LCS. So we'll be back on Tuesday to recap the weekend and everything else. Chances are this weekend, if you keep your radio on our station, you'll hear some football. Richmond, Rhode Island, Texas A&M, Tennessee, and Missouri, Kentucky on Saturday. And then a triple header, uh, a doubleheader of NFL, followed by the Rangers and Astros as well. Thanks to AJ for all his hard work. Have a great and dry weekend. Talk to you on Tuesday. 3 to 4, 106.1 ESPN.